So, all the video games are happening right now. <laughs> all of the games, they're out. And uh, should we talk about Forza Horizon 5? Let's talk about it. Um, all the video games are out, and um, I've been spending some time on Xbox lately. That's part of a bigger uh, conversation that I want to have in a few minutes, including with Shahid. has a few thoughts about this that really resonate with me. Spoiler, I've taken a look at your notes, Shahid, and so I can tell you that I already agree with you. But we're going to get to that in a few minutes. How have you guys been playing Forza? Xbox Series S. Okay. In the 60 frames per second mode, which is okay. on Xbox Series mode. S, is, it's performance mode. So it's lower yeah. resolution. But I'm cool with that because the TV that I'm playing on is is like it's not a fantastic TV. So uh, really, I prefer the uh, frame rate over the graphic quality. Okay. I've not played it yet. Okay. I am planning on playing it. I think when you hear what we have to say about it, you're going to want to go play this video game. Uh, I Yeah, I definitely want to play it. I mean, I, I love really, really good driving games. Well, then you're going to love this game because let me tell you, Shade, it's a really freaking good driving game. That's fantastic. But here's, here's, I'm very strange when it comes to driving games. They have to be absolutely top tier. Second tier, third tier, I'm really not interested in. So if it's top tier, I want to play it. It's top tier. Then I'll play it a lot. Yeah, it's yes. so good, man. It's it's yeah. so good. But anyway, so uh, Federico, how are you? What are you? What are you? Do you doing Xbox Series X? Yeah, I've been playing on the Series X, where um, it plays uh, in performance mode. I believe it hits 4K 60. Right. Um, it doesn't have ray tracing. You only get ray tracing in photo mode on the Series X. Um, what during gameplay you do get a solid 60 frames. It hits, I believe, on the X 4K resolution. There is some, um, what do they call it? Um, some, some, you know, when you're playing a game and some of the 3D models, they pop in, um, oh, you know, uh, like the draw, yeah. distance draw distance isn't isn't perfect but it still hits a higher resolution than the s and you get 60 frames per second and it looks totally incredible maybe i haven't been paying attention but i feel like we've been lied to because i thought the whole point of these new games consoles was 4k 60 frames uh, per second with ray tracing wasn't it the whole freaking point of all of these but none yes. of them do, no games do like you have to pick this like confusing soup of things that you want like that you, you want all of it no you can't have it there's a very good story that I just read on um, The Verge or Polygon a couple of days ago about how the this this very problem of wasn't this new generation supposed to unlock massively improved graphical performance in games and how because of the pandemic and because of a bunch of other factors the the fact that video game companies are still hitting um, previous consoles as the baseline for these video games, they essentially have their hands tied behind their backs when it comes to really taking advantage of the you know current generation hardware because they need to optimize the baseline for their titles for the Xbox One and the PS4, both consoles that came out in 2013. And so, yeah, in a way, we have been kind of lied to, but I'm curious to hear Shade's perspective on this. It's market forces. It's always market forces. Uh, your explanation, Federico, is absolutely spot on. Um, it's the opportunity cost thing, right? So mm. to optimize for the current generation of consoles does require a different set of techniques, particularly when increasingly we're beginning to see 
two approaches. One that is optimized for ray tracing, which let's face it, is not fully implemented anyway. It's kind of just about arrived. Yeah, it's not full ray tracing. It's kind of ray tracing-ish. Or on the other hand, you go for 60 frames per second. Uh, and then the final axis is the resolution. Is it actually going to be 4K? Is it going to be checkerboard? Is it going to be yeah. whatever? You know, so you've got those three axes. Okay, so to complicate matters, then you've got the issue that when people buy a very hyped game, they will very often buy it on the basis of visuals. You know, we're a very visual species. Let's face it, half, half of our brain is taken up by neurons that just process visual information. So you can imagine that if these companies are going to be making videos, they want to be making videos that look astonishing. And what does that mean? That means we know that videos generally don't play over the internet much faster than 30 frames per second. Very few people play YouTube video, what, 60 frames per second or whatever. Some will, of course, but many won't. And they'll form their judgment on how good a game looks compared to another another game. It takes a while before you get um, more experienced and more tech-savvy people to look at really minor differences and say, ah, this looks like this, this looks like that. But you don't know for sure until the games actually come out. So what does that mean? That means people tend to optimize for how good something looks rather than how smooth something is or how good the overall experience is. In other words, it's not necessarily about the balance. It's more about pushing the frontiers of visual excellence in order to sell the game. Once that's done, they can start to make changes or, or optimizations and make things look better, but they generally don't. And the reason for that is twofold. First of all, they don't want to lose the market for a remaster down the line when another console comes out and they can up-res everything and make everything go faster. Um, and the second reason is those same people are now going to be working on something else. And they're not necessarily going to be making money by increasing the visual quality after it's launched because that big bang is gone. People have accepted the look. So that you've got those three axes, right? You've got the, the ray tracing element, you've got the frame rate, you've got the resolution. Against that, you've got the commercial imperatives, you've got the opportunity cost. And this kind of explains why um, back in the day, uh, and it's still the case, that the the running joke in the publishing world was that the next um, Crytek game would always need a PC that was three years into the future mm. because their aim was always to create a game that was way beyond the cutting edge, way beyond what the current spec of PC was. And the reason for that was simple. It sells because it looks great. It doesn't matter that you need to spend £3,000 on the damn PC, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. fantastic, and that's what it's about. So going back to Forza. Yeah. Um, Does it look great? game, I will say, like, they're doing a lot with what they got, you know, irrespective of what resolution you're playing in. The graphical quality is, mm -hmm. I think, the most important thing for a game like this, and it looks stunning. I mean, they picked a fantastic backdrop, like Mexico is just a fantastic backdrop. Um, I think a better backdrop than England for just making something look good, because you have, like because that was where Forza Horizon 4 was, because there's so much color um, and varying, and, and a lot more variance, I think, in landscape, which is really interesting. It's also fun because... 
you you're you know one minute you're on the road the next minute you're doing uh drifts around a mud track running down from a volcano yeah for it, example uh, but the opening sequence of this game is one of the best opening sequences i've ever experienced in any video game ever it is truly unbelievable like they throw you in and you get like a few minutes of a bunch of different types of cars doing all kinds of just bananas stunts and tricks and it really it's like it sets the stage so well for like you have like a 15 minute block 20 minute block where it's like hey did you like this oh boy have we got more for you it's really it's really truly fantastic yeah i think it really the the opening sequence it really um it works well in the context of the game because it it highlights the um, it, it acts as a good showcase for what you can expect from this kind of game, which is mm-hmm. different driving styles, right? And and this idea of we're just gonna use this plane, uh, this this airplane flying over Mexico to drop you, uh, you know, in different parts of the map, so that right from the introduction you can experience the different driving styles that you have. So you got the race circuit, you got the off-road, you got the, you know, the countryside, uh, you got the sports car, you got the ATV, you know, all these different types of vehicles. And I think it really works well uh, as an intro. It's cinematic, but it also serves as an introduction to the actual gameplay. Uh, It's not just like, it's not like a cutscene. It's actually functional to the game itself. And the thing that you mentioned about the uh, how beautiful the backdrop of Mexico is, I think they that was a really clever decision on Microsoft's uh, part to to pick that kind of location to really showcase HDR and showcase. You know, they have this inc- this incredibly vast map, um, and I think it's a it's a great tech demo uh, also for the fast. Uh, loading um, of you know of of anything on Xbox yeah. via SSD. Yeah, this 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 is a really great showcase for speed. This yes. lack of loading, this game, it it really like these types of games. It feels like there's a lot of setup to them. Uh, there are loading screens, but they are like a couple of seconds only. Sometimes, like the only yeah. time I've ever felt like I was waiting for anything was if I restarted something. Because otherwise, like the other times that you're loading, they're tricking you, right? They're showing you something that doesn't look like a loading screen, but it is one. But it, you know, like for example, when you win a race and they're like, you're celebrating, like that's actually a loading screen. Because like if you want to restart a course or whatever, it takes a few seconds and you see like a loading screen. But like they, they, the, the, there is no like... Oh hey, like here's a slideshow that we're going to show you for 35 seconds while we're getting mm-hmm. the race ready. There's none of that, which is also, which is really cool. Yeah. And what I think is also a, a really neat showcase of the tech behind it, uh, which is also one of my favorite features of the game is the rewind feature. So yes. at any yes. point in any race in in any moment of the game, you can press the Y Yes, why? Yeah. Um, you can press Y to rewind, um, and it you literally go back in time a few seconds. It reminds me—I don't know if our listeners or if you guys are—I'm I'm sure Shahid will remember this. Not because you're an old guy, Shahid, but because you're very knowledgeable. Um, but you remember Prince of Persia: Sands of Time mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the PS2 era, and how mind-blowing it was at the time to rewind the game if you got like a jump wrong, for example, and you could go back and fix it. 
And in Forza, you can do the same, but you can do it multiple times in a row. You can choose at what point you want to rewind the game, and it's effect- it's effectively uh, instant. Like it, it takes like a, uh, one and a half seconds to rewind you. And again, mind you, while you're playing a race against other people in 4K, 60 frames, and it takes 1.2 seconds to rewind the game and drop you where you left off before. And that is like an actual, like actually it's a fantastic feature as a player. I really enjoy that because it, like, it feels like the game is not punishing me for not being a professional uh, you know, player of these kinds of games. And it's also quite the showcase for the new Xbox generation. So I really, really love that feature. I was just going to say in your defense that when you said Prince of Persia, Federico, I was thinking of the 1989 version. Well, <laughs> see, see, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and then you qualified it. Okay. So, yeah. uh, I will say Horizon 4 had the rewind. But Horizons 4 rewind, you would rewind and then there'd be a little spinner. Yeah. And that was the big, that's the big difference. Like this time you press the button, the car rewinds and you just press A and go because you can choose to go further. And like, that's the, like the big difference between four and five is like, you'd see the cool rewind animation, but you couldn't go immediately. You had to wait a second. And it's like, and also I feel like you can rewind many more times. You could do like four or five times and just four just didn't allow you to have so much control over that feature, which is a feature that I love because you know, like for me, and there's like tons of accessibility options in this game, which I haven't played around with, but like you can really change things. You can even like have things go in half speed and stuff like that if, yeah. you, if you're struggling with it. And I think all of these features, including the rewind stuff is great because like I understand that some people want to play video games for the challenge, right? Yes. And that's cool. Like you never have to use those features. Like you just want to be challenged, be challenged. But I, we said this so many times in the show, because really this is three old men playing video games. That's what this is all about. We just want to enjoy the video games and not spend six years trying to beat them. Like, I, I just want to get through it. Well, I've also finished Metroid Dread and 100% All right, game, no need to show but... off. Look, my point yeah, was here on. that we're friendly and approachable. You don't have to show off. <laughs> uh, no, but I like, I agree with you. I'm playing, I'm playing Forza on easy and I'm... Uh, using the rewind feature whenever I feel like it because this is I just want to have fun with this game and I want to experience the map and I just want to drive around taking the scenery and drive my BMW on a volcano so that's the kind of thing that I'm doing in this game you know what really intrigues me here is that we're touching on similar concepts again and again and again um, about accessibility uh, about being able to enjoy something about something being instant two things I want to say about this. The first is, for me, the killer feature of this generation is how quickly you can get into stuff. And the second thing I want to say is that this is what I loved about the arcades and about arcade games. It wasn't necessarily the gameplay style per se. It was when you made a mistake, when you failed, when you died, you could get instantly, and I mean instantly, back to where you want to go. That rewind feature that you're describing without the spinning sounds to me like exactly like my early arcade experiences. If I failed, I put my 10p in, I was immediately back. And it's less punishing now, of course, because back in those days, you had to start from the beginning. But at least you could start straight away. There was no loading. So this instant access, this instant availability, instant on, instant play, and 
being able to enjoy it at a level that you can appreciate. You know, maybe we need a master's league or a seniors league or something. I don't know. Maybe that's the killer feature of this generation and not the resolution and the ray tracing and the frame rate. I don't disagree with that. I think it's, yeah, it's it's a massive quality of life improvement that really makes a difference in terms of, um, you know, especially for this kind of game where you have an open map, like this huge map and tons of missions. Um, the fact that you can, you know, fix your mistake, go back in, play again, you know, pick up another one, drive, you know, fast travel to a different point of the map. And you're like, you're constantly going at it without loading times. It makes a massive difference, uh, especially because I remember like from Forza 4, on, on Xbox One, the loading times were much longer. And so, it, yeah, it, it really does make a difference here. I want to touch upon the map um, w- with you, Mike. Yeah. What do you think about it? The, you know, the, the sort of navigating the map and picking what you're supposed to do next. Um, I like it. I like having the choice. I like that I can, all, I can kind of go through and try things out. I think one of the things for this game, the map kind of grows, you know, over time. Um, but it is a little overwhelming. Yes. Like, there's so much okay. stuff, and, and I don't really know what to choose sometimes. Like, I like that I have choice, but it I wouldn't mind, honestly, a list view as well. Like, okay. yeah. these types of things are available, and rather than, like, I have to run my cursor over this entire massive map just to get an idea of to what kind of races there are. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly how I feel. Like I appreciate how colorful it is and all the different icons for different types of events. Uh, you can press RB to filter the map and you can exclude certain events from being included uh, by default in the map. For example, I excluded out of the multiplayer stuff because I'm not interested. I'm playing solo. Uh, but it's still kind of overwhelming and I feel uh, I wish that I could zoom it out zoom it out more to have like a proper bird's eye view. Um, or like something that I was just struggling with a few minutes ago, I wish that there was like a sim- like a simpler list mode that gave me just the core story events, uh, which I believe are called the horizon events. Like these are the big sort of missions yeah. that, um, sort of that have more end, story to them. And I was surprised how much to them. story seems to exist in this game. Yeah, there is some some story, some characters and some lore to, to Horizon 5, which is funny. Uh, but I wish there was, an e- there was an easier way to just say, okay, I have enough points. Just show me the story-related missions. Uh, maybe that, that will be added in the future. Uh, also, speaking of points... There's a lot of different types of points that you can collect. Yes, there's right? experience points, there's cash, there's, cash like, there's all kinds of skill, stuff. Yeah, skill, points. skill points, which you unlock things on the skill tree. I, I, this is actually why we're maybe in this little pocket here of things that are frustrating. Um, I there's so many cars and I don't know how to get them. <laughs> it feels impossible. Like the, the value of the cars in the game, like how many credits it costs to buy them and how many credits I have after playing. I'm not exactly sure yet uh, how to get the cars. I mean, I get some with the spinning. Like you got that little like uh, you spin the wheel luck thing every time you level up or whatever. Um, and I cannot stand the acting of the the voice acting of my character. <laughs> 
I cannot stand. The guy is so annoying. And it, it honestly, it doesn't really feel like it's that well voice acted. Everybody else does. The radio DJs are great. Everyone in the interactive is great. But my character, like, I don't know. The guy just, it just feels like he's reading things from a paper. It doesn't really feel like he, he believes anything yeah, he's saying. The, I, I don't like the, the voice acting. Sorry. Yeah, the guy but, doesn't yeah. really, the guy doesn't really believe in, in what he's saying. So, it's yeah, weird. don't play. Don't play this game. This game to take a look at the characters and for the yeah. you know for I the mean, voice who, acting. That, that's the thing. You weren't looking for that, right? Like no, no, you no. weren't looking for that. But I do like that there is some storyish stuff, right? Like it's not just race, 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 race. Uh, yes. What I always liked about Horizon, anyway, is that they mix it up. Um, like I think it was maybe four or maybe three. It was one. There was one where like you could uh, do stunt stunt driving for movie. For a movie, I really love that those missions, and you can do. I, I expect they have stuff like this. I've been doing this like series of missions around a VW Beetle. I think it's called the Vocho uh, in Mexico. Yes, the Vocho. Yeah, and I've yeah. been really enjoying those because they're quite varied, and, and I do like that you can choose like with every level of this mission. Hey, do you want to do this kind of thing or this kind mm -hmm. of thing? So there's yeah. so much stuff in this game, which yeah. I'm intrigued to. I'm intrigued to keep going through it and and I'm I'm keen to see how long it can hold my mm. attention. Which brings me to to the point that I hinted at at the beginning of this episode which is so this is a massive game that you can pick up and play over time and it's very much designed as a service game like they have seasonal events they have online multiplayer it's the kind of game that Microsoft will rightfully so continue to update over time I believe it's it's the mo no well no uh, Halo Infinite multiplayer is now the most played Xbox multiplayer title but it's the most successful Xbox launch uh, this year or of the entire Xbox generation or something like that um, but what really stood out to me was how this game and you have to assume all future major Microsoft releases like Halo it's coming out in a couple of weeks this game you can choose to play in a variety of ways uh, you can play on the Series S, on the Series X. You can play on the previous generation Xbox. You can play over Wi-Fi in your home with a compatible device that has the Xbox app installed. Like you can have the Xbox app on your iPhone or iPad. You connect a game controller and you can play over your local Wi-Fi network. Or you can pick up where you left off and play in a browser using the Xbox Cloud Gaming beta. Mm -hmm. So I can play this game at home on my Series X on my big beautiful TV. And then when I'm in my you know when I'm in a different town, when I'm in Viterbo in my hometown, I can continue playing the same game with my profile, my saved data in Safari for iPhone with a game controller using cloud gaming. So you have this sense that you're really starting to see now Microsoft's vision for what it is, which is Xbox is a family of not consoles of like it's the Xbox experience that spans multiple consoles, multiple smart devices. And at the center of it all is Game Pass, right? Mm -hmm. And in the future, you know, cloud gaming, and they continue, you know, it's still labeled as a beta, but you can you can really tell that Microsoft is really investing on it in terms of performance yep. and the catalog of games. Yeah, when I when I logged in on my Xbox today, they were telling me they told like, you, right? 
yeah, yeah. hey, now with Game Pass, instead of like w- while you're downloading them, you can now just start playing them immediately. Yes. And I was yes. like, ah, oh, yeah, that's good. Because that was the yep. thing. I was like, when I was downloading Forza, I was like, I should just play this immediately. Like I did have this th- feeling of like, this is a huge game. Why can't I just start now? And turns out they were just getting ready to add it. Yeah. And so uh, I've been using, uh, I mean, I'm a Game Pass Ultimate sub- subscriber myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been using cloud gaming as, you know, as a way to continue playing uh, games that I start on on console on my iPhone and iPad. Uh, what I think is also impressive is how uh, Microsoft added, as of last week, uh, some final titles to its backwards compatibility program for Xbox, original Xbox and Xbox 360 titles. And some of these games, not only can you play them, Stuff like Sonic Unleashed or Sonic Generations from the Xbox 360. Not only can you play them at 4K with HDR and FPS boost on an Xbox Series X, you can now play those games with those enhancements via cloud gaming, right? And I think it's just incredible. And I was wondering, like, Shahid, what are your thoughts on this I think we're witnessing a major shift in in console strategy, and I really don't think there's anyone else doing what Microsoft is doing at the moment. And I was kind of wondering what sort of thoughts you had about that. Nothing has made me more excited about video games than uh, Microsoft rolling the, the feature out where you can play the vast majority of the Game Pass titles via cloud. And here's why. Demos have been dead for a long time. And there has never really been a suitable substitute. There's been no convenient way to play a game to see if you'd like it until this. Now, and this is what I've been doing today, by the way, is, yeah, whereas before, I'd have to free up some space, I'd have to download something, hope that the servers were okay and it was downloading at a reasonable speed, 30, 40, 50 gigabytes later, I might get five minutes out of it. That is a really, really poor return on time invested, right? But today, I was able to trial, and here's the thing, because it's got so many games coming into Game Pass all the time, Mm -hmm. and it's where their catalog strategy starts to make massive sense, in that before, there was no easy way of being able to trial these games without downloading them, installing them, and after a while, you just go, you know what, I can't be bothered. Why? Because you just don't have the time, you don't have the space, it's not convenient. This makes it trivially convenient for you to trial games. So I trialed two. The first, I won't name, because this is not the kind of show where we like to disparage developers or games, and it wasn't about that. It just wasn't my kind of game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I knew that within five minutes. And when I say five minutes, four minutes and 40 seconds of that was gameplay i only waited 20 seconds from launching the game to being able to play Mm. it it was absolutely mind-blowing it was a revelation i've not seen anything like this ever i mean ever because even Mm -hmm. in the days of demos you'd have to either download it or before that you'd have to buy a magazine (laughs) with a disc on the cover Uh, and before that there were no demos right they were pirated games let's face it now, instead of watching someone play it on Twitch, 
<laughs> I I can just play it myself. Yeah. I can be in instantly. And it just blew my mind. And then the next thing I played, I'll talk about later. But the next game was like, oh, okay. I love this. This feels fantastic. And I downloaded it immediately. This is my theory for why those first 15 minutes of Forza are so good, by the way. Like, I think this is going to be a directive from Microsoft for its first party games. You've got to make the first 10 minutes excellent now because people can get into the game so fast. My God, I've been telling developers this for the last... <laughs> because this I've is, been telling, just, this is the thing. You've got to start yeah. like a pop song. There's no slow start of like no. in, in the age oh where people God. can oh just... God. They're can just imagine? basically channel surfing through your video games. Right, imagine a book, okay? Yeah. Uh, and a book goes, right... I'm going to teach you how to read first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to do a backstory in the characters. I'm going to introduce you with some really boring dialogue. I'm going to show you what the mechanics of this are. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And you're three chapters in before Look, you're always, into the book. There is going to always be a word for that, though, right? But it comes from a different place. So, like, you're not going to say it to Hideo Kojima. Uh, all right, you need to start with an action set piece or whatever, right? Like, if he wants to tell a story He's to an start auteur. his game, he, and, and people will buy it for that reason. He's an auteur, but, but 99.99% of developers are not. Yeah, so they if are you're not trying to sell... Yes. world yes. they're in the entertainment world yes. and they don't know it they think they're artists and they're well, not yet people are going to start to learn that i think pretty quickly in the age of this because also uh i think Can you right sound now, passionate about this by the way yeah well i know because it's right people should <laughs> this is what people should be thinking about right now because we are entering a new age of video gaming and microsoft is leading it and you know all this stuff that we're talking about with Game Pass and uh, Xbox Cloud Gaming—is that what it's called now? Because I cannot ever cloud remember what they call beta, it. Xbox Cloud Gaming. They call it Cloud Gaming now. Excellent. Xbox Cloud Gaming for Game Pass. This is like—I would be worried if I was Sony. Honestly, I would be pretty pretty concerned because Microsoft is setting things up for the future in a pretty intense way. That I think next time around, like. You know, uh, Xbox, whatever it will be, like the next one. Uh, I think Microsoft could be in f to take the crown. I, I really do, because they're buying excellent studios, and they're all making games only for Xbox, and they're all going to be available, quote unquote, for free because you're already mm -hmm. subscribed anyway. Like it's becoming at the moment. If you are a serious gamer, like if you if you really like want to play everything, and you have the money available to you it is just a good idea to own an xbox right the three of us are in this boat right now which i would not have been before i wouldn't just have it for whatever but now i have it so when these first party games come out i can play them right and that maybe wasn't the way it was before because i mean this was the joke this is our joke on the show for the last multiple years is microsoft had no exclusives now <laughs> they're gonna have all of them yeah i mean Halo is going to be massive when mm -hmm. it launches single. It already is massive on, on Steam at the moment for the because they launched the, the multiplayer yep. support earlier than the single player full campaign mode. But the single player, uh, like the, the actual game is going to be a massive launch, probably bigger than Forza. I follow some of these video game analysts on Twitter and that seems to be the consensus. Like it's going to be a massive launch for a game that you can play anywhere on the Xbox family of devices and services and next year 
uh, I mean, look at Bethesda. They have Starfield yep. Yep. coming out 2022. Yep. And that's also going to be like a massive, massive launch. And there's probably others that I'm forgetting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, I think, th- this is the kind of thing that concerns me slightly about PlayStation, right? I'm not concerned about Nintendo because Nintendo does what Nintendo does. They're untouchable because they don't yeah. operate in this world. They barely no. have an online strategy. <laughs> it's 2021 and they, they yeah, barely I mean, have Nintendo, an online strategy. Nintendo is still doing the thing. Oh, you have a new console? Yeah, open it up and transfer yeah. your saves yeah. to the other... It's Okay, Nintendo. How, how many to... years has a Switch been out? Uh, too uh, many. Five? Yeah. Four, five, four, four or five? Four or five? Something yeah. like that. It's a long time, right? Yesterday, my wife saw an advert where um, I think it was an older sister was playing with a younger sibling online on a Switch. And she pointed at it, looked at me and said, the Switch does that? (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen that happen. (laughs) It was a revelation. There is no, you know, forget it. I'm ki- like uh, I'm not too concerned, but it's something that I think about from time to time. Like Microsoft is moving toward this, this future of um, you have this powerful console, and that can still be the center of your home entertainment experience. But there's also this universe of services and integrations around it. And if that is the future, if that becomes like if that becomes the the expected sort of experience that people want i am sort of concerned that on playstation they are very much behind when it comes to this strategy right they have playstation now but it's not really the same thing as what microsoft is doing with game pass and and cloud gaming now of course playstation has a much richer and deeper catalog of first really strong first party exclusives right yeah but you have to buy them all but yes but you have to buy like and that's (laughs) the thing like it's it's the old model of Uh oh new spider-man purchase you know 60 dollars for the new spider-man game like very much old school sort of framework and sony have said time and time again we don't want to do something like game pass where you pay a fee each month and you get access to this you know ever-growing catalog of games um, they don't want to do that. Now, the the big question, I guess, is is the future Netflix, which is you know arguably what my Game Pass is, um, or is the future you know uh, you know same as it is right now? You, you buy the game, you play the game, and then when you're done, you probably get a DLC for it. I don't know, but it, uh, like I'm not I'm not saying oh PlayStation is done. No, absolutely not. I, I don't think I so. I think that then I don't think that they can sit as comfortably though. As they have for the last X amount yeah. of years, I, I don't. I think Microsoft are playing. They're playing like uh, uh, Galaxy Brain moves here, and micro and Sony feels a little bit stuck in their ways. I don't know. I I'm not convinced that this is a doomsday scenario for PlayStation. No. no. Um, I don't mean doomsday. I, I think it's the landscape no, is going I'm, to change. I'm, of course, I'm exaggerating massively. Yeah. You know, I'm taking a lot from what you guys have said. But in case, in case anyone thinks that PlayStation's in trouble, and it's, it's clearly not. I think that all three hardware manufacturers have excited me in different ways. Um, I, you know, I've never been as happy with the hardware and software situation 
of each respective major player as I am today. I mean, I have an OLED switch. I have an Xbox Series S. I have a PS5. And you know what? I love them all. Mm. And I love the variety I get on each. But what, what Microsoft is doing that the others are not is innovation in the experience space, not in the game space. The games are the same. Okay, that, I mean, you could argue that PlayStation's top tier catalog is going to be a cut above Microsoft's for a while. And that's fine. You know, for people who have a PlayStation, they're going to enjoy top tier experiences, kind you will not be able to get on Xbox. However, Xbox is offering something very, very different. Experientially, as you say, it's a bit more like Netflix as opposed to going to the movies. The PS5 to me now feels like going to the movies. Right, whereas the Xbox right. feels like Netflix. I'm just going to sit down in front of you. Right. I think that's a really nice stop way to playing. put it. There is a world stop. for both yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want both. You know, if I if I want to buy a game, I'm invested quite heavily in PS5, so I buy it. So, for example, last two games I bought have been on PS5. Um, I'll mention them later, but um, on on the Xbox, I'm playing just as much. And the reason I'm doing that is because Microsoft continues to innovate in the experience. All right. This episode is brought to you by privacy.com. So what I love about privacy.com is you, it helps me feel confident. And, you know, you find that company, you, you, you want to buy something, especially around this time of year. I'm like, I'm buying things from websites that I've never really bought stuff from before. You know, you're buying gifts to people, you're doing some research, you're checking lists for things to buy, like, oh, you could buy it from this website, that website. But the more times that you give your card number out, the more times you're putting yourself in a situation of needing to replace your card because somebody's information gets stolen. But with privacy.com, this is not something you have to worry about because privacy is a tool that makes it easier to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. It generates virtual card numbers for you, masking your bank information so you never have to worry about giving it out to companies that you don't know online. You can really take back control of your payments. You can decide who can charge your card, how much and how often, and you can close those cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure that you never accidentally build twice or upgrade to another service without your consent. And privacy is partnered with 1Password, so you can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All these virtual cards created in 1Password have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards, and you can set spending limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards whenever you want. The spending limits are great too, so like if you're on a service where you only want to spend X amount of money every month and it's maybe a variable cost, maybe it's like a hosting company or something, you can set that up and set that, that limit so they're never going to charge you more than what you want to pay. So go to privacy.com slash remaster and sign up for an account today. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash remaster and sign up right now. A thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. Shahid, what were those two PS5 games? Uh, so the first was Deathloop, which was discounted. I didn't get the deepest discount, but I, um, I think it was 35 quid. And for that, it's an absolute no-brainer. You know, in an era of seventy-pound games, if you're offered something for thirty-five pounds on a PS5, you've got to go for it. Uh, do you want me to tell you what I thought of it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I want to love this game. I really, really do. Um, I've been, you know, w watching everything about it. We all have, right? Mm -hmm. 
I, I have some issues with it at the moment. Um, and it's early days. I still need to play it some some more. And these are less to do with the game and more to do with me. Or perhaps you could say some of these issues I'm having are more to do with the industry um, and, and the way it relates to certain audiences. So I liked that you could change the size of the subtitles. I was not so impressed that despite sitting, I don't know, one and a half meters from a 48-inch OLED, all right, I didn't have my glasses on, but I don't need them for one and a half meters. I couldn't clearly read the UI. Uh, uh, that's partly my eyes. You know, my, uh, I don't have young eyes anymore. I need glasses for every no, distance. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. The, the UI is weird in this game. Come, it's, it, come yeah. on. Yeah. And you know what? The 2021, how many times do you need to be told that the UI does not have to be inversely proportional to the size of the screen? You know, it's almost like you get a 65-inch telly, right? And they go, okay, we can squeeze more pixels into that 4K screen. Let's put a four-point font up there, please. I mean, okay, it's not quite that bad in Deathloop, but it was difficult to read and there was no reason, especially given that they had already offered me the option. The other thing that relates to accessibility that I found frustrating in this, it just, you know, just little things like... And it's not a Deathloop-specific thing, but so many games do this where they turn the left stick into a mouse. I mean, I'm playing with a console, and I have my own design language on a console that I'm used to. If I want to play a PC game, I'll play it on the PC with a mouse, where I yeah. have much, much better control with a mouse. I mean, I have a fantastic mouse. The mouse is so good, it does more dots per inches than a NASA satellite. I mean, you know, that's the kind of accuracy I want. I don't want to use... My left thumb, right? My left thumb does nothing. All it does is it the the most demanding thing that my left thumb ever does is hold on to the back of the neck of a of a bass guitar. Okay? It's not used for fine motor control. Nobody should be using the left thumb for fine mo motor control. And yet we stuck with this language forever. It's just become the standard. Okay, complaining too much, but it's not designed for mice. And that's what the UI is doing. And there's no need, you know? I mean, the system supports the D-pad, for crying out loud. Why can't the game? So that was something that irritated me. You've got an access... If you, and the only reason I'm pointing this out is because it specifically had an accessibility menu. And if you're going to have an accessibility menu, you better make really sure that you're making everything accessible. And I'm talking about yeah. the most basic things, this, right? This is like one of those things right now where I think it's great. like but it's getting a bit like cool to add lots of accessibility options, right? Like it's a thing that, that if box. you do right now, then people will talk about it on social media, which is great. Right. But you've got to think it through properly. Like you've, yeah. you've got to really you think it through properly. Yeah, you, exactly. can't, you can't just be like, oh, you can, because uh, now it kind of feels like a lot of accessibility is actually like ways in making the game play different, which is great. But then you've still got to consider all of the visual stuff, which is the traditional sense of accessibility, of like it's leveling not, out the yeah, playing field. Yeah, they shouldn't call it people. accessibility. Yeah. They should call it what they've always called it, which is options. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. because then they don't, you know, then they don't put themselves into angry old man here's target, right? And the other thing I found really disturbing, and I know people are going to laugh at this, they really are, is that I didn't like the violence. I don't like it either. We're, we're all in agreement on this. Me and Federico had a conversation about this game. I bounced off Deathloop so hard. It just, 
I don't know what it is, but it's not for me. Like it just isn't for me. I can't I can't put my finger on it. But I just just don't, it's just not my kind of game. But not that violence shouldn't exist, like graphic violence no, shouldn't no, exist no, in no. video games. But I agree with you that the the it's the, the mix and tone that Deathloop mm. has created it for some reason just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I I had the same problem. Like I've played violent games before, um, but there was something about Deathloop that. It's it's a creepy game. I find mm. it creepy mm. in a way that other games are even more violent, but I can play them without being bothered by them. Mm. And this game I found kind of disturbing in yeah. a way that I can't quite describe, but I was feeling unsettled. Every yeah. time I picked up the game, I was like, you know what? I don't want to feel like this when I'm playing a Vita game. Um, and so, yeah, I bounced after like a couple of hours into the game. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. And I'm sure this will win Game of the Year awards in a bunch of different places, but not really for me. It's not going to win ours, clearly. We we have to keep adding the disclaimer that we're not the typical audience for no. this kind well, of just, thing. Just, like, we're just different. People yeah. are different. People like yep. different games. Yeah, like we're going to yeah, talk about Pokemon in a minute. Like, you know, it's just like <laughs> people are different. Dozens of us out there. Yeah. Dozens, dozens of us. Like, but you know, I I like violent video games. This one yeah, just is not. You know, like, yeah. I'm not a big fan of stealth games in general. So that's not going to yes, help. Yes, right? that's yes. I, I think yeah, you nailed it. I think that's my problem too. And yeah. so, like, that, I'm, that's already a markdown on it. And then just the violence aspect of it doesn't work for me for, for whatever reason. I think it's like a combat, com- like, putting, like, really gruesome violence with stealth. Yeah. It's like, it's just two Ooh, one on one. Like, 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 this like, is imagine, murder. Imagine. <laughs> anyway, we're just, there's so many people that love this game, and we're just, like, destroying I, it. So, what, what well, else? What we're, else we're, not, we're, we're not. We're not. We're, we're just saying it's not our kind of game but anymore. But what I mean is, let's move on from Deathloop. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, what was the other game that you played before me and Federico? Another Pokemon? game with death in the title. <laughs> 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 I've been playing Death Store by Devolver. Um, oh, that's an excellent title. It's it an excellent is game. Beautiful. I yes. love this game so much. It felt uh, after Deathloop, it felt so innocent. It's a lovely, lovely game. It's the first time I played a game in quite a while, um, and I've been playing uh, the Mario Party Superstars with the family. Mm. So it takes some doing. It's the first time I've not felt like an idiot playing a game in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it just let me get in, let me get on with it. It did not get in the way. It looked beautiful, sounded beautiful. It's old school. It's atmospheric. It has straightforward mechanics that I understand, that I know how to use, that I know mm-hmm. how to chain. Um, the progression is superb. The bosses are beautifully designed. The music is absolutely beautiful. It's got all these wonderful touches. You know, lots and lots of little touches. You can tell that oh the developers God, put a, a lot of love in. Video game. Wow! Yeah. It looks like a movie. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been playing on Xbox. It's out on Nintendo Switch today, right now, as oh. of a few minutes ago. Um, I like to describe that store as imagine Dark Souls, but it's not for masochists. It's really like don't let the the death in the title like fool you here. It's a totally chill game. It is. Um, and it, and it's very fun. Amazing and that, isn't it? Amazing how chilled it is. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's called Death huh. Door, and yet, yeah, it really surprised me. I have to say, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, I've been playing this on Xbox too, and it's super fun to pick up and and play. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this one out. I've not heard of this game. I don't know why. I think this is your kind of game, Mike, because like it, it shares some traits, like I mentioned, Dark Souls, because of some of the progression and sort of like you know the style. You'll see, but also like it shares some common traits with um um what's it called uh, Hades. Hades. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but yeah. it's not as twitchy. It doesn't yeah. require mm. the same dexterity or skill as right. Hades. I, so, I looked at it and thought, oh, this looks like Hades. <laughs> so now I'm really into it. It's out on Switch now? Yes, Ooh. as of like 30 minutes ago. It's yes. just, a, just a fantastic looking game. All right, I'm going to get this today. Yeah. Let's catch them all. Pokemon, come on. Let's talk about Pokemon. Yeah, we've been playing uh, to keep in, to, to be consistent uh, with, the, with the game so far. We've been playing Pokemon Brilliant uh, Death. I guess we can rename it for the sake of being consistent within this episode. No, but uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are out now on Nintendo Switch. I believe both Mike and I, we got Brilliant Diamond. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Michael, you were the skeptical one mm-hmm. here. You were saying, no, I'm not going to play this game. I'm, I'm not nostalgic and all of that. How's that going for you? Okay, so yes, I'm not nostalgic for this game. I don't remember this game. I know I played it, but I have no memory of it, which is rare for me. I feel like I remember most of the Pokemon games. I don't know why Diamond and Pearl made no impact on me. You remember this conversation from last year here on the show during the lockdown when I got obsessed with transferring my old Pokemon from old cartridges to Pokemon Home. um, I found my old cartridge for Pokemon Diamond on the Nintendo DS with my save on it, with my completed story, mm-hmm. and I had absolutely no recollection of finishing that game in 2006. I know I played it because I remember the starters, right? Yes. So like, yes. I know I've played it, but I don't remember it. So I'm intrigued to see where the story's going to go because right now I don't know what it is. What I was not excited about with this game is the what I perceived as a backward step for Pokemon. For like what we've had over the last couple of years um, of the new kind of like the new generation style and I do miss it but the art style the particular way that they have decided to animate this game has sucked me in I think it's very pretty it's got that like two and a half D thing that was in that what were those games called oh man like Octopath Traveler and stuff Oh yeah, they call that two point five D or something. Two point five, yeah, yeah I like think it was two point five D. Something but isometric, like, right? Yeah, no, but it's like it's like three D, but it's got this kind of like haze around the edges. It's really yes, yes. like it's got the haze going on. Yeah, it's yeah, got the, and, the, the, I don't know. <laughs> it's the permanent fog. Yeah, yeah. I have a complaint though, where it's like, don't show me your laziness, right? So like the battle scenes, right? The battle animations, all the battles are in the new style. Now, that is because they didn't want to design battle for this new art style. And so they're defaulting back to what they've now built. It's just like, there's no reason for why the battle scenes should look modern and the game, like the the actual game world, to look old. And like, anyway, I just find that very strange. It feels lazy to me. Um... I really miss seeing Pokemon in the grass, right? Like all the that stuff. I've really grown accustomed to that. So like having just 100% 
uh, wild encounters again is not something that I enjoy so much. Uh, I love experience share as default. That is a thing that I know the purists can't stand, but I love it. Um, I'm hooked on it. I'm hooked on it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, I I share your same thoughts. I also wanted to paste this link for all kinds of weird glitches that people are discovering in this game. I know that some of our um, some of the members from the Club Max Stories Discord have been sharing some of the problems that they have with like uh, your character getting stuck with a bicycle in between other characters. Um, there's all kinds of glitches that people um, that people have been posting on Twitter, like random dancing NPCs or Pokemon getting stuck on a different path. Um, I believe this like this game is in need of another patch from Nintendo mm. uh, because it's still kind of buggy in places. So save often, I guess. I disabled autosave because of this and I'm saving manually. I don't want to be caught, you know, with the game autosaving. Oh, I didn't and even then, think about that. And then mm. a, a, a glitch or a bug occurs and I, I don't want to, you know, start over. So I'm saving manually when it's safe um, to save. But yeah, having spent... Over 700 hours in Pokemon Sword. Um, I do miss, you know, I did the random encounters. Uh, no, thank you. You know, I, yep. I want to go back to, to that style of game where I can always choose when I, ho- I want to have an encounter. I like having a little bit more choice. I, I, I've, really, yeah. I, I've really appreciated that, where it's like, I don't particularly want to fight my 14th uh, Ponyta in a row or whatever, right? Like, yeah. so I'm just going to leave that one. Yeah, I don't know. Or like, hey, look over there and run to it. Like, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm used to this gameplay style enough that going back to it for, for probably just one more I can take. And uh, I think ultimately, I am willing to accept this game more because Arceus or Arceus Legends is just around the corner. Yeah. And that game looks so freaking good and i'm so excited about it like i am really excited about it that one will be the actually new and different you know that that's uh, in theory that's gonna be pokemon's breath of the wild moment i mean hopefully i mean i think what is easy maybe easier to say is uh, it's going to be the biggest break from the format that they've ever done yeah and now uh, of course you know it's not going to be as open world uh, as we expected. Uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, Nintendo put out some additional details on the uh, Legends website showing how the open world map is going to be modeled after Pokemon Sword where you're going to have separate open areas, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to be like Zelda, which is one single open-ended map. It's going to be a bunch of different big open areas, but still you got to choose which area you want to explore. Uh, and that's totally fine with me. Like, no complaints there. I really want to play that game. I believe there's going to be some integrations between um, these remakes of Diamond and Pearl and Legends uh, because they're set in the same world, right? In in Sinnoh, uh, which is, you know, I believe Sinnoh was modeled after the Japanese island of Hokkaido. Um, I want to say that, maybe. Regardless of that, I'm having a good time with this old school Pokemon game. Uh, like you said, I can go back, you know, just one time for all time's sake. I can catch the, you know, I can complete the Pokédex here, move the Pokemon over to Pokemon Home, which is the web service uh, that allows you to store all of your creatures in the cloud. 
and I'm, you know, I can go back and play an old school game again for that. Um, it's it's fun. I yeah, uh, I'm happy that I'm that that I got this one. It's a very chill game that I can play at the end of the day. Uh, but otherwise, most of the gaming time right now is being spent on Xbox, uh, which is a fun break for me from the past between Forza and I'm still working my way through um, with the Halo Master Chief Collection. I, at the very least, I want to finish the first one, like Halo 1, mm. uh, before Halo Infinite. And then I I think I'm just going <laughs> to be that person. I'm going to open up YouTube and type um, Halo Cutscenes. <laughs> and just catch up on the story. <laughs> lots of people, I'm sure there's going to be lots of these videos. Like not even oh, just the yeah. cutscenes videos. Just like let me explain to you how we got here. Yeah, yeah. I just I and I think Halo Infinite. Judging from the previews that we've seen last week, I think it's really gonna work for me because it's like open world, but very much you know um, broken down into approachable missions like. There's a thing here, go here, and it's self-contained. Like, all of the previews agreed, this is not going to be like a Ubisoft-style open-world game, like an Assassin's Creed or a Far Cry, where you have this huge map and dozens of different colored icons. It's more going to be, okay, here's a small chunk of the map for you, here's a bunch of missions, here's an upgrade, otherwise continue with the main story. Like, not Ubisoft-style is all I wanted. You know, it's also what Nintendo didn't do with Breath of the Wild. So I'm excited for Halo Infinite. But yeah, I got some cutscenes to watch first. I will be keen to see if this game comes up on the next episode. 